if you're looking at him walking down the street saying, thank God I'm not traveling with him. Uh, let's pray. Our, uh, let's close our, our, our uh, eyes and pray. Lord God, we pray that on this journey this morning with your word, that you would anoint it, that we would walk in your holiness, that we'd walk in your goodness, and that your spirit would come down on our gathering as we study your word. May you anoint us for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about going on a guilt trip, what it looks like to go on a guilt trip, what it feels like to be uh, in the center of a life filled with just guilt that owns your life. Pastor Doug talked about the difference between having godly conviction and having worldly guilt. The world we live in, if you haven't noticed, trades and deals in the notion of shaming and blaming each other, and it's a shame and blame world. Along comes the Holy Spirit that says, I'm not here to shame you and to blame you, but I'm here to do what? To bring conviction over your lives. I'm here to lead you in the right way so you go on the right trip, so you end up in the right place, and so that you aren't dogged with all the baggage that goes along with a shame and a blame world. In John, uh, well, in John chapter 16, I want you to see a set of verses that, that speak to us about Jesus, because Jesus was going on a trip. He was going back to be with the Father, and as he's going to back to be with the Father, in John chapter 16, he says, But now I'm going away to one who has sent me. Not one of you is asking where I am going. Uh, verse 6 says this, uh, Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. They were like, man, you're going to leave us? How can you be leaving us? And God goes, no, no, I have something better for you. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So verse 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. The advocate, all caps A there, or cap A, is the Holy Spirit of God coming into our lives to lead us on the journey that we have in this life. Jesus was sent here for a short period of time to become the savior of the world, to become the one who pays the price for your sins. He's the one who bought your ticket. I still have the physical tickets from 1979 in August that our family, family of five, flew to America, landed in New Jersey, and my mom said, you're gonna be Americans now. We're not gonna, be, we're not gonna speak German anymore. We're not gonna think German anymore. We're in America. And so little Harvey with his three-piece suit landed in New Jersey in 1979, and we started on a new journey in America to go make a life. In this way, the advocate comes. Jesus went to be with the Father, and he says, I will send an advocate for you. I have someone who's going to lead and direct your lives. Verse 8 says, and when he comes, here's what he will do. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness. So God's role is to come in, the Holy Spirit's role is to come in and to say, that blame and shame world you live in, that point at each other and slog each other and shank each other in the kidney world you live in, is a sin-stained world, God has a better place for you to go. And he says, and of the coming judgment. So he's here to convict us of sin, to show us God's righteousness, and to teach us that, hey, on, in every one of our future, we will stand in front of the Almighty God for our lives. So Jesus sent him. Now, when you go on a trip, as you, as you, as you go on a trip, one of the things that's really important to understand is, is that when the Spirit of God is leading your life, how you go is as important as that you go. And what you bring along is really important. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that we talked about last week was is that there's a lot of personal self-doubt that comes on when we go on a trip because a lot of people are judging our trips. One of the hardest things about trips these days is that they're sort of like, click the picture, send it home, say we were there, move on to the next thing. Is that really living? Or is that just going on a trip? 
You and I are on a trip called life. And in that trip of life, we have bags and we bring along bags. And one of the things is if you live long enough on your trip, you're going to have to do laundry. Right? You have to do laundry. And so you're going to have to go on a trip. And when you go on a trip, you're going to, you're, you're going to go. I, I'm, on, I'm on a flight to Dallas today at 1.33 in the afternoon. This bag and this bag are going with me. Why? Because they have clean, fresh, pressed clothes in them. They have the travel documents that I need. Um, and not only the travel documents that I need to get onto that plane, but they actually have the resources that are going to help me do the trip I need to do this week, right? Our pastoral staff, for the first time in a few years, are going to go, to go away for a conference for four days where we're going to seek the face of God on behalf of the church together. And so uh, Doug and Kim are coming in as well tomorrow. They're flying in from Kansas City. And then the staff, some of the staff are leaving tomorrow. So, but if I take this bag, this is all the dirty laundry from the hamper in my upstairs room. Would you like me to open it up and throw it out? Thank you, Robert Pro. No, I don't want to throw it out either in front of you. But the world we live in has a lot of people who are running around carrying bags like this all over in every place that they go. They've got their dirty laundry in there. Have you ever worn dirty laundry? Have you ever been on a trip long enough to where you're like, man, we are out of underwear. Man, we are out of socks. You ever put on clothes when you smell them as you're putting them on and it reminds you of yourself? <laughs> that, my friends, is the world we live in. That's the world we live in. The world we live in, it's got all kinds of bags. And I thought it was so funny that this is the bag that I brought home from the last trip because the girls made me bring all their dirty laundry home in it and it's as heavy. Can you imagine having your dirty laundry in your bag and everyone else's? God's got a better way. Joe's go, I'm not traveling that way. I'm not traveling that way either. I want to live a different way. The spirit of the living God is God's laundromat in your life. He comes along and says, hey, yeah, let's, uh, you know, I'll clean you up. Let's put you in the laundry. Let's go down the laundry. We'll clean you up. We'll work you through. We'll do that work of the spirit where he'll convict you that it stinks. He'll bring along righteousness and pour it in. The water will wash us. Baptism. Anybody ever thought of that? And then we have this beautiful thing where we come along and we're like fresh, new, pressed and clean, ready to go, Lord, and guide us in our lives. And as we keep traveling in our lives, God says, I want to go there with you. Now, what I would say to you is this, is that these, these are two passports. These two passports are in my family. This is my thick, fat one. And this is one of my kids, fairly new, not so thick and fat one. How long have you been traveling and how many stamps do you have and how much baggage are you carrying around? That's a legitimate question. That song we sung just a moment ago, by the way, the songs we sing are purposeful. When, when, when uh, Ashley led us in that song, she said, your promises will never fail. One of the most beautiful promises is, is that while you're traveling along in life, God comes along and says, I will clean you. I will clean you. I will restore you. I'll make things right and new. I'll give you a hope that you wouldn't have on your own. I want you to see this picture here for just a second. As I, I've, you know, on trips, one of the things I've learned in life is, one, start out with clean clothes. Two, if the trip's long enough, go to a laundromat somewhere along the way and get it clean again. It's a little bit better. I want you to see this, this picture uh, up here of a woman. She's standing there with her hand on the back of her head. And, and I want you to see this line. Here's my statement for you today out of the scripture. When you meet up with God's Holy Spirit, on the trip of your life, Holy Spirit offers you a chance to slow down, 
to ask directions, to give you an eternal guidance. Say, hey, you know, maybe go that way. You can ask some questions. And there he offers to do your spiritual laundry. Have you taken him up on that? I mean, he is good. You know that feeling when you put on a fresh, clean set of clothes? You know that feeling when you've been washed fresh? You know that feeling when you have clean sheets? Remember that feeling, guys, when you were in college and the same sheets have been on that your, the, your junior year, those same sheets are on your, so, your, your senior year? You put them on your freshman year and you haven't changed them since? Some of you have married that guy. Some of you have married that guy and said, we're not going back to that. Right? God comes along and he says, when you meet up with me, I will give you direction. I will slow you down. I'll give you eternal guidance and I will do your laundry. I'll do your laundry. I'll work in your life. There's a spiritual battle going on for your life. So you've got your handouts. They're on, if you're online, they're online as well. If you're in the app, they're in the app as well. You can travel along with that. So let's see what God wants to do in your world and in my world today. Matthew chapter Mark, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It's at the top of the handout. Mark chapter 8, 34 says this. Then calling to the, joint, to the crowd to join his disciples, he, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, you need to know where we're at in this moment, okay? Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi. In Caesarea Philippi, if you haven't been there, here's, what, here, here's, here's what's going on. There is a brothel right over here, like literally on that wall, and not this far, I mean, just the same distance. There is a whorehouse right over here, and, and brace yourself, sorry, it's PG-13, so it's boys, girls, men, women, however you want it, however long you want it, okay? That's over here. This is where he asks this question. We all think, well, it was in some little church or a synagogue, and he brought everybody together, and there were felt things on the board. And No, there's a brothel over here with every nasty imaginable thing you can imagine. Over here is a, is a temple to Pan. It's called Panias, and Pan is what? The god of everything. And then behind them is a hole that's still there to this day that is this great big hole, and it's where the water comes out of Mount Hermon, and it's called the Gates of Hell. And why is it called that? Because when they were done with those kids, or before they, some of them went in there, some of them went in there to be priestesses and priests in the brothel. Others went and worshiped over here. And then what they did was they would ritually sacrifice 12-year-old girls and by throwing them in with weights on their bodies into that water pit called the gates of hell. So, so you just understand this is a non-sanitary place where Jesus says, then calling the crowd to join the disciples, he says, if any of you wants to follow, be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. He is saying all this and saying, if you want to continue to live in the smut of this world, you can so do, but I am offering you a new way. And Jesus says to the disciples, who do the people say I am? I go, well, some say Elijah, some say a prophet. And then he goes real central and focused and he says, who do you say I am? Now, I want you to put yourself for just a moment. You got your religious hat on, right? So put yourself in a moment. Your son is between 14 and 23 years old. He's followed Jesus. Jesus takes them up to this place. He's got 12 14 to 23-year-old boys standing in the middle of a whorehouse, a sacrifice of girls, and a place where you can worship everything, everything under the sun. Some of you are going, if that's where Foothill sends our kids to camp, we'd like to know about that before we say yes, Right? These kids are standing there watching all this. And he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to 
pick your bags up and you want to head with me, there are three things that you have to do. I want you to see this triptych. It's a picture. And I want you to see the picture that Jesus has for you, actually, with, with these. Uh, they're on your sheet right here as well. Uh, the picture of the halo and the wings. Then there's the picture of the crosses. And then there's the picture of the tennis shoes. Okay. And here's the spiritual journey that you have on offer today. Okay. The Foothills Travel Agency is offering you this. You can save yourself. You can join him on the cross and be redeemed. And once you are redeemed, you just need to know that this one includes a set of tennis shoes that says, follow me. Because what a lot of us want is we don't want this. We just want, I can save myself. Well, I probably can't do that. Not very good. Not very well. Okay, I'll take a little bit of Jesus. But I don't, I don't want to follow him. I just, I just want the benefits. I don't want to go on the trip. I, I, I just want the blessing. I just want what God has to offer. You need to hear on this, okay? You are invited to bring your bags, to bring your stuff, and he says, follow me. And the reason why that is, is because when Jesus says this to his disciples, he's saying, I told your moms I would not leave you beside the brothel, beside the sacrifice pit, and besides the place that goes to hell. Okay? Parents, when it's really hard at times to lead our children in Christ, it's because that's what's on offer. The world that our kids are living in is a world filled with that, that, and that. That, that, and that. And the place of sacrifice for our children is right here, in case you're wondering. Okay? So before we go, oh, that's so ancient, that's so old, that doesn't really matter, you're there. And your 12-year-old with a phone is there. Okay, you're there. Follow along. There's four things that wrote them down here for you. The first one is a hedge bet, right? If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. This is afterwards, by the way. Jesus comes afterwards after he says, if you want to follow me, he then says, okay, you've got four basic responses. Number one, the hedge bet. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my life, my sake, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Here's the mystery. He says, if you hold on to your own little halo and your own little wings over there, you'll, you will be lost. You will be lost. Because you see the entrance into heaven, when you get there with your bags and all the stuff you carry, the requirement is perfection and you will miss that mark. You won't make it. You will not be perfect. The second thing is he says in verse 36, and what do you benefit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? So, okay, great. So you go off and you do all that. You exclude all of this and you say, you know what? I'm going to be a good old boy. I'm going to be as good as I can be. I'll have a tarnished halo, but at least I have a halo. I'm not that guy who, you know, I killed somebody and committed adultery and did all these other things. So you cover up the cross and you go, you know what? I'm going to live for me and I'm going to run as fast as I can. That's the second one. Jesus says, what does it profit you if you run so well, you gain everything. You still gain what? A whorehouse, a sacrificial pit, and a worship place that worships everything under the sun. You're still here. You're still stuck. Okay. The next one, he says the question, is anything worth more than your soul? Then he like drills down to the moment. Is anything worth more than your soul? And I'd ask you, is anything worth more than your soul? Quite frankly, when I get on that plane today at 1.33 in the afternoon, it really doesn't matter if I bring anything of this, as long as I have this. As long as I have this, I'm going to get on that plane. And a lot of us want to play this silly little game with God where we go, you know, I, I'm going to get to heaven, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need a car. I don't need to, I'm, I'm coming on my own, right? Facial recognition me, do whatever you need to do, but hey, it's hard, right? Oh, open the door. 
He's not going to open the door like that. Because he's going to see the, sten, the stench and the sin of my life. And I'm going to be carrying that around if I don't have him to forgive me. You see, that guilt trip that we're on is one that the world is on. And God goes, you don't have to travel there. It's kind of a cheesy place. The last one is, if anyone is ashamed of me in my message in this adulterous and sinful days, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he returns in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. God says this, oh, by the way, when you are walking with me, having been resurrected, and if when you walk with me, you're ashamed of me, you really don't have me. Man, this is a high bar. I've traveled with my kids. You know that moment when you're in the airport or you're on a trip and your kids are trying to like ditch you? It's like, oh man, my parents, oh my gosh, you know, I'm sitting next to this cute guy and he's going to come up and say something and oh my God, and oh dad, just don't even, just act like you don't know me. Do you ever do that with God? It's like, God, I, I know I'm traveling with you and all like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm having some fun right now. And if you could just not, not show up, it'd be really cool. Don't grandma, oh gosh, you're going to sit right by me. Oh my gosh. Pastors have experience all the time, right? I'll be on a plane today and the guy next to me is going, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm going, bro, you don't want to ask that question. Just start. <laughs> Push, reset, start again. Right? Got one of these. They may not make it. But I better have this, or I'm going to get on that plane today. All right? Keep going. Exodus chapter 20, the whole Ten Commandments. I'm going to drop the whole Ten Commandments on you in two splotches for just one minute. Okay? Just one quick minute. The first commandments. Okay? Here are the commandments. We're going to bust through them real quick. The first commandment, have no other God but me. God says, I don't share room in your heart with anybody else. This is a single occupancy. I alone will come in. If you put other people in here, we won't get along. Okay, that's the first commandment. God says, have no other gods before me. Second commandment, don't make an idol of any kind. Do not limit me to that little bitty statue that you've got in your bedroom that you look at once in a while and and you make me. I'm not an idol. Don't make me this small. Third commandment. What's the third commandment? Third commandment says, when you use my name, be careful with the words that are around it. I guarantee you, if you heard somebody that really matters to you a lot, say something about your name, where the words around it were condemning, were names in vain, it would hurt you. God says, just so you know, my name matters to me. And I would bet you, Ray, I'm just seeing you, I'll bet your name matters to you. And I'll bet, you know, there's something else that's really important. I bet your name really matters to Mike and how other people talk about it because he treasures you. God says, there's no other gods. No, this is a single occupancy. Don't make little idols. And oh, by the way, when you talk about me, you're going to tell me what you really believe about me. Okay, fourth commandment, as he makes a turn, he says, keep the Sabbath day holy. And then, so the first three are vertical, okay? Your trip includes a vertical component and a horizontal component. The fourth one is keep the Sabbath day holy. God says this, you work every day of your life, you will wear out, worn out, and fry yourself out, and you will be so susceptible to sin in your life that you will actually, what? Sin out, Okay, so he says, take a day, don't work every one of them. It's bad for you. I think our scientists have kind of figured that out. Now, real, real quick, rat-a-tat-tat, what are the next ones? Number five, honor your father and mother. Hey, the people that brought you here, they matter. And how you treat them and how they treat you matters. Number three, or number, number six, don't kill, 
Don't take away the life I made. Number seven, be a person of fidelity. Hold to your promises, keep them, and keep them first and foremost of the person that you made a commitment to in your marriage. Third, uh, number eight, do not steal. Don't take away from what other people have. Don't take their bags. Those are your bags. These are their bags. Leave that alone. Next one is, don't lie about your neighbor and don't wish you had his bags. That's the Ten Commandments. Okay, you're on a guilt trip. I would like to say to you, if we learn to do that, you go from living on a guilt trip to being on a, if you look at the top of my deal, you go to a glorious trip. Hey, we're moving somewhere now. Where are we headed? We'll turn over and we'll see where we're headed. It says in Psalm chapter 103, verses 1 to 14. I wrote 1 to 12 at the top, but we're going to go all the way to 14. I want you to see what God says about a glorious trip. See, that first part's a guilt trip. Here's a glorious trip. Let all that I am praise the Lord. This is what the, uh, the David says, right? Or the, the psalmist says, let all I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. Remember single occupancy? Because the only one's in there is God. And God gets all that space. My whole heart praises God. I will praise his what? Catch this. His holy name. Start to see how all the commandments start to play out in real ways. Look at verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. May I never forget that he's leading my journey along the way. And now the next seven verses tell you all the good things he does. What does he do? He forgives all my sins. Catch this. And there's always an and in there. Our God is not an either or, but he is a, he, sorry, he's not an either or. He is a yes and God. He forgives our sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. The difference between the Christian view of the world, the what Jesus taught, what the Bible is given to us is, is, is that he not only forgives, he redeems. And what it means is, is you not only make the flight, but you're sitting there in first class with all the privileges. Forgiveness in and of itself is kind of almost, if you could hold this in dynamic tension, worthless. Okay, yeah, I forgive you. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, it doesn't matter. I like that. But, uh, okay, the real question after you get through a little forgiveness situation is, do you love me and can we restore relationship with each other? The reason why Psalm 103 is this beautiful ticket to God is that he talks about, I forgive you and I redeem you. I, I, I heal all your diseases and I forgive your sins. I redeem you from death and I give you a crown of love and tender mercies. Verse five, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice. He not only gives righteousness over my life, but he says, I'll give you a way to live in justice going forward. All right. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. God looked after the leader and he also looked after the people. Why? Because our God is big enough. He can fly this plane. But you know what we are? We're going to get on a little 172 and fly around, fly wherever we want to, tell God, no, we're going to fly wherever we want to. You know what that's called? It's called rebellion. It's called rebellion. Sin is rebellion against the almighty God. But if you will take what he has on offer, you have some serious blessing in store for you. Verse 10, let's skip down to verse 10. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. I don't know why it's a funny thing, but you know, if I got on the plane today and I had all these bags, everybody would say, how long are you gonna be gone? Throwing the front hand, he's throwing his neck out, right? How long? You're going to take that big bag, that big bag, and then that bag, plus the clothes you're wearing. You're going to be gone for four days? 
Isn't it funny how there's kind of a joke about how much baggage a person flies with? Isn't that kind of a metaphor, though? I mean, I got to tell you, my wife is beautiful, and I love my wife. And if she wants to bring 10 suitcases along and look beautiful on day one and day two and day five and day 10, whatever, we are schlepping bags, baby, because I'm bringing her along. And if she's coming along, she can take it every time she wants to and bring as much as she wants to, right? But in this game called life, God comes along and says, I will not punish you for your sins. I'm not going to open up your dirty laundry. I'm not going to throw it out in front of everybody else to share. I'm going to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to cleanse you of your unrighteousness. And then look at verse 11. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. So his love is vertically so high as the heavens above the earth. Okay, so how big is his love? That incredibly high. Notice this picture. Notice we got a vertical, okay? So how big is his love for us? As high as the heavens are from the earth. And then look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. For he has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. So from as far as it is that way to as far as it is that way, that's how far he removed us from our sins. You catch that? His love is unbounding that way. And he says to you, yeah, that dirty laundry, yeah, we got it. Don't worry about it. We'll take it away. As far as the east is from the west. I have had my bags end up as far as the east is from the west on flights I've taken. Have you had your sins end up there as well? That's on offer. God says, you know what? We'll take the bag. You'll never see it again. And you know, the only person that keeps bringing it up is you. It's you. It's you. That's what he says. As far as the east is from the west. Like a, now look at verse 13. Like, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. To those who fear him. You know that word fear him? That comes back to this whole notion of this passport. Okay? If you, if you revere God as the only and one God, you will have a reverence for him. Fear doesn't mean, oh my gosh, he hates me. Fear, reverence means, wow, that's a... That's something I've never seen in the world. That's reverence, okay? It's all on offer, okay? So how do you buy your ticket? Ready? We're going to roll it up right now. Right now is the one click. Get your credit card out, right? We're going to one click this bad boy right here, okay? I love this verse. It is a beautiful verse. It is written in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, Peter has just shared with all the Jews that have just killed Jesus. They've just killed him. They have just killed Jesus. Okay? It's fresh. It's fresh. They've just killed Jesus. And he tells them, you, you, you just killed Jesus. And like, well, what, 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 do we, what do we do? What, what do we do? Right? And look what he says. So everything in, in, in the, in the uh, parentheses, by the way, is what's called the Amplified Bible. Okay, so it's basically like, here's the Word of God. Here's a little commentary. Here's the Word of God. Here's a little commentary. So let's look at what the Word says. So repent and, your old way, uh, um, and return. Repent and return. Okay, the first way to start is, is God says, you were going this way. All, here's what repentance is. Everybody thinks repentance is a dour face. I really feel bad. I flog. I self-flagellate. I'm carrying this garbage around. No, no. God says, no, just turn around, leave that, and go this way. All it is is go a different way. Trick question. Is everybody on the plane today to Dallas going to Dallas? Yes and no, right? 
right? At some point, everyone's going to make that last turn. To get the ticket you want, he says, repent and return. Come back to him. Come back to God so that your sins may be wiped away so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Don't you go on a vacation to be refreshed? Don't you want to be refreshed? Don't you want a refreshment in your life? Think about what the word, and beverages are what? They're refreshments. Isn't it really great to have something cold on a really hot day when you're sweaty and you're wearing that, that clothing that stinks because you didn't ever have it cleaned and you're on that? I did a 35-mile bike ride yesterday. At the end of that bike ride, I stunk. You needed me to shower to get here today, okay? And you know why? It's because I needed all of my stench to be wiped away in a shower so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of clean water. You do this in your life all day long. The cadence of your life is, I ought to clean up. The cadence of your spiritual life is, repent, return, so that, wiped away, so that refreshing comes from the presence of God in your life. Is God in your life? Where are you headed today? Guilt is such a garbage thing. Guilt's okay for the fact that it makes us go, hey, something's wrong. But guilt is of this world. Conviction is of God. Holy Spirit convicts world guilts. Why? Because the world lives in blame and shame. The Spirit of God lives in freedom and peace. Which one do you want today? You see, that's all. We, we, we only sell two tickets here. And we don't even really sell the first one. That one's on offer no matter what to anybody. What we're offering is, is, is that as far as, as far as the heavens are up, that's how much God loves you. And he comes down that whole distance and says, I will meet you where you are, but shall come with me where I'm going. Oh, move forward. Oh, move forward. If you look at that picture down there on the very bottom, how do we do that? Verse 3 of Psalm 32. This is David. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Verse four, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. Why is that? Because when we break God's laws, the repercussions break us. Fair? We think, well, we're getting away with something. Well, okay, well, why is your life hurting so bad? When we break God's laws, they break us. So day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like the water in the summer heat. And then verse 5 finishes with this. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. And my guilt is gone. That is the Christian gospel. And it's for you. It's for you. Forget all the bags. Forget all the garbage. Jesus Christ spread his wings, his hands on a cross so you didn't have to put your wings on this crucible cross of humanity and be hung up on a cross because everyone's ended up on a cross. Might as well have said, if you're like me, weak and desiring the easier path, wait, you went to the cross for me and I don't have to go up there? Okay, yeah, I'm in. You in? You in? You in? You in? You in up there? If not, 
Why not? We're going good places. God's going there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the redemption of Jesus Christ the Lord. We confess to you our deepest need for Jesus Christ, the Savior of our lives. Oh, Lord God, intercede and impact in the lives of people today with your gospel message. In Jesus' name, church said, amen. Peace of God. I got to go to the airport. See ya.